This is episode five of the Foreign Language Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, John Fotheringham. In today's show, I interview Randy the Yearly Glot from yearlyglot.com. To read a transcript of this episode and to find other tips, tools, and tech for mastering any foreign language, go to languagemastery.com. Here is the phone interview, originally recorded June 6th, 2010. So uh, maybe we could start out, just tell me a little bit more about how you got started in language learning and uh, what languages you've learned so far, and then I'm going to ask a little bit more about your uh, yearly GLOT project. All right, well, um, I guess I maybe I should have prepared a little bit so that I would have some canned answers, but no, that's no, all right. I like, I like the uncanned answers better. Nice. <laughs> well, um, I guess my whole life I've just always sort of been interested in language just in general. I don't really have a good explanation for why. I started, uh, I guess you might say all the way back in kindergarten. My kindergarten teacher actually taught us Spanish words uh, at the end of every day, one new Spanish word. So that might actually be the the thing that got me going in this direction. But um uh, by middle school, I was taking Spanish classes, and then um, in high school, I was taking German classes and French classes. I actually had a, one of my best friends in high school was a Filipino guy who um, had some trouble with the English language because he and his family had just moved here. He, took, he and I took up a pretty close friendship just on the principle that he asked for some help on the first day, and I gave it to him. So, uh, so in addition to everything else, he taught me a lot of Filipino uh, Tagalog, and, um, you know, I just, I don't know, I just sort of picked up on everything every time it was put in front of me. Uh, I would have never taken the German and French classes except for the school didn't offer anything past Spanish, too, so... Right. <laughs> You know, it was it was weird. I just wanted to keep doing language, and I'd run out of Spanish, so I switched to German. And then I, you know, like I said, I met this Filipino guy, and then learned some French. And before you know it, I'm like, wow, it's not so hard. I want to learn every language. <laughs> right, it is addictive, that's for sure. Um, so the whole yearly glot idea of learning uh, any language in one year or less is that something you developed more recently, or is that something you've kind of always gone towards? Uh, you know, that actually is a very recent development. Um, it, it comes on the back of learning Russian pretty much fluently in one year uh, after everybody told me it would take six, seven, eight years of study. Right. And, you know, I still don't claim to be an expert, but uh, I put in some time and did the work. And after one year, I, like I say, I'm, I'm pretty fluent in Russian for a guy who's only been learning for a year. And uh, so I figured, you know, everybody says that's one of the hardest languages. If I can do it with that, I should be able to do it with anything. And I don't see why anybody else couldn't do it, you know, especially with an easier language. Uh, something like a, a romance language that's so close to English anyway, it's, it, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to learn that in a year. Uh, Benny proves that you can do that a lot of times in three months. Yeah, I often say, I think if you do things right, there's no reason you can't at least get to a modicum of fluency in six months. I mean, I think that's a good realistic target i think six years is ridiculous but but that gets to the issue which is if you do it the old academics in the classroom way it will take six years right Um, and so maybe that's the next question i have for you is how exactly do you go about learning a language that you can do it in under a year 
you know, I never really formalized a learning method until I started writing the blog, and now I'm starting to get it really in front of me and, and see that, oh, if I move this over here, it would work better and that sort of thing. So... Actually, I'm starting to see a lot of the logic behind some of the more commercial products. Like, you know, you think of a Rosetta Stone or something like that, and all of us uh, in the community kind of ridicule Rosetta Stone. But um, there are some things they do right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think particularly the, the order in which, you know, you go about things, you start off with some really basic stuff, and then you just build on that. I, I think if you, if you see returns quickly, you get encouraged. And I guess that's my biggest thing is if you can get encouraged, you will keep doing it. So I try to do things that, you know, if I can learn uh, how to say where is, and then I can learn how to say thank you, and then I can learn how to say excuse me, I can immediately turn those three things into excuse me, where is, whatever, uh, thank you. And now I've actually had sort of a small conversation at the cost of just learning three things. Right. So I... I think that uh, that's really what I try to do. I try to find the minimum amount of learning that you can get the maximum usage out of and actually turn it into practical, you know, example sentences and those kind of things. And that way, um, you know, like I said, if you get really encouraged by what you're learning, you'll, you'll feel more momentum and you'll keep going. How do you feel about the whole input versus output debate? I mean, full disclosure, I'm definitely of the input camp. Um, Okay. Though I, I've lived abroad for most of the last decade, and so it, it's not practical for those that are going to be, you know, moving to Japan tomorrow to spend six months on on you know listening and reading input. Well, and and by the same token, it's also not practical for those who are not going to move to expect to do a lot of output either. I think that the input versus output debate debate is mostly. Um, it feels to me mostly like a constructed disagreement, sort of yeah. manufactured for the sake of ratings or you know <laughs> clicks or whatever. Anyway, because really you need both, uh, and the, yeah, you know it might serve you better to have more output if you're in person, and it might serve you better to have more input if you're studying at home. But at the end, if you don't do both, you're not going to learn. So I think that the the debate itself is kind of silly, and it's it's entertaining, but it, it lost its entertainment value a long time ago for me. You know, I have my own opinions, but I really want to just share, you know, the opinions of others that, you know, what's worked for them, because obviously everyone's different, and what has worked for right. me won't necessarily work for everybody. Um, though I, I do think 90% of the things probably work for everybody, and it's that extra 10% that is different, and that's why you need to present a variety of methods. But, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like the Pareto principle of right. 80-20. Exactly. Uh, everybody okay. can benefit from that 80. I think we've read the same books. So back to then, you know, what's worked for you. Um, so you build on the basics, which makes sense. Um, what other do's and don'ts can you share? Oh, wow. Um, I know there's a lot. You know, my biggest, yeah, my biggest don't. Uh, I love to ramble on and on about don'ts. <laughs> mm -hmm. Maybe it's a little too negative, but um, oh, well, that's uh, the first post I put on my language blog was the top ten not to do list items in a language. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that the um, my biggest don't is don't put too much pressure on yourself. You know, pe people worry about how far back they are in the book, or how many chapters they've done, or how many words they know, and it becomes so stressful that you're actually you you, you lower the quality of your learning for the sake of getting more quantity, and that's I for me that's the biggest don't. 
it's it's easy to overstress yourself. It's all about staying positive, and anybody who has a positive attitude can 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 succeed. You know, I, I look at people um, here in Chicago. It's very diverse. It's a very like a world community, and I'm every day surrounded by people speaking hundreds of different languages. Um, and what's interesting to me is that when they speak to me, they don't speak correctly or properly, but they're not afraid to do it. Right. You know, and I think I think about people I know who are like, oh, I'm trying to learn Spanish or I'm trying to learn this. And you, you never hear them actually do it. They never try. They just say they're trying. But, you know, I've, I'm on the bus with somebody who's asking me for directions and they're butchering English, but they're not afraid to do it. Right. You know, and that's that's so important. Yep. No, the, the fear of the pain of doing something, I mean, that I think turns so many people off of whether it's a language whether it's getting in shape, I mean, it, yeah. it's all the same. It's usually the fear of the task is worse than the actual task itself. You know, yeah, so. absolutely. The anticipation and the oh, it's going to be so much work. Right. But uh, I was I was watching a an interview with Will Smith recently, and he was talking about how his dad uh, had a shop and broke down the brick wall, and then asked his sons to rebuild the brick wall. And uh, the kids both said, oh, oh, it's impossible. That would take forever. And his dad said, I don't care how you do, you know, don't think about building the whole wall. Just lay one brick and just make sure every time that you lay that brick perfectly, you don't care about anything else. Mm-hmm. And day by day and you know, brick by brick, after several weeks or months, or he didn't really say how long, but they had rebuilt the brick wall of the shop. And uh you know that's so that's so motivational. You know when you yeah. think of doing things, uh, you know don't think of how far you have to go or how long or hard the journey is. You just think about doing each step the best you can, mm-hmm. and um, eventually you look back and you're surprised at how much you've done and how easy it's become. Right. No, that's a really good metaphor. I like that. Right. Yeah, and especially with languages because there's there is a lot of work. It's it, I mean, there's, we'd be fooling ourselves to say, oh yeah, anybody can do it in a week or two weeks. Right. But you know, there there is a lot. But uh, you know, you can do those things that keep you motivated, and then you can look back and say, holy cow, that whole journey was fun, and it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. I really like the metaphor you drew to um, to working out. That particularly for me has always been one of my favorite analogies for pretty much anything difficult in life because, you know, I go to the gym every morning. I'm a, a weight trainer in the morning before work. And every day I go in there and I have to push up a, a weight and I have a, a goal in mind. You know, I, every, every time I go, I try to push five more pounds than the last time. Now I don't always succeed at doing that, but week by week I am pushing more weight every time than I was the week before. And you know, you look at that long-term goal of, you know, I want to, whatever, I want to bench press 250 pounds or I want to squat 400 pounds. And you think, oh, my gosh, that's so far off and impossible. But each week, you know, you look back and say, wow, I remember when I could only do 160. And uh, over over time, you know, you watch yourself change and you watch your strength grow. And what it does more than anything else, in my opinion, is it, it makes your mind strong. And when your mind is strong, you believe you can do anything. And, and once your mind is strong, there's there's nothing that can stop you. You know, it might be days or weeks or months, but there is no task you won't you won't attack. And yep. that's that's the attitude I like to have. Time plus effort. Uh, Absolutely. Well, in addition to language, my other main interest is martial arts. And I always like to share with people that the word kung fu or you know kung fu it actually means skill through effort or skill through nice. time. 
And, and that's such a good analogy to language. It's, it's just doing it day in, day out, and eventually you'll get better. You can't not get better. Well, and the reason so many people fail, I think, is because they're just not doing it ultimately. Sitting in a classroom is not doing it. You know, <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. Or, or, or even watching a movie. I mean, you know, you put in a foreign language movie, that's not necessarily doing it unless you're actively doing it. Right. Well, and classroom, that's another really great topic for me to go on and on about. <laughs> because, um, you know, I think that, like I was saying about the weight training and stuff, you know, with your mind being strong. And when you talk about signing up for a class, like that's always really the cop out, I think. You know, you 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 want to do something or you say you want to do something. So you sign up for the class and that becomes like the, the token effort of saying, hey, I tried. But the lessons are always so far apart and so short, and even worse, they're, they're uh, retarded by the fact that you have to teach a whole group, not just one person. Right. You know, you, you really aren't, you're not even putting in a fraction of the effort you would do uh, spending that same time on your own with a book once a week. And, uh, but the, the worst thing about a classroom is that if you don't do it, you can blame the teacher. Oh, well, I tried, but the teacher was no good. Yep. You know, or the class was no good, or it was too far away, or it was too expensive, or whatever. But, you know, you you don't take any responsibility when you sign up for a class the way that you would if you just grab a book and just start reading it, or grab a CD and start listening to it. Okay. Any other uh, tips you'd like to add, or any don'ts? Well, there was some. There was one thing that sparked uh, something in my mind that you said a moment ago too, is about how um, a lot of people aren't aren't trying, and how it's you know it's a lot of work. And it reminded me of something else that you know recently I just really started thinking about this is that everything is is work. You know, any any skill, anything that you do well is the product of hours and hours and hours of practice and work. And, uh, you know, some people may have a talent and whatever. You can't teach talent. But nobody nobody becomes successful on talent alone. You have to have the skill. When it comes to anything in life, but language is a great example of this, it really feels to me like people give up too early. Mm-hmm. And even at the easiest phase, you know, all you have to do is just crack that book or, or talk to that tutor or, uh, you know, put on that CD or whatever it is that you do to study you know, instead of turning on the TV, and it's so easy, uh, effortless to keep doing, you know, like once you do something and it's a habit, it's effortless to keep doing that. It's actually more work for you to stop and go turn on the TV and ignore your, your language time. So, you know, and sometimes I find it uh, astounding that people actually give up, you know, because that means you're making a choice to quit. <laughs> <laughs> Just like my uh, just like my gym metaphor again, you know, if I if I get sick and I don't want to go to the gym because I'm you know not feeling well or something, I automatically like start to miss it. And after a day or two, I'm like, I want to go in earlier and try to make up for all that time. Right. You know, and there, I mean, there is a point like if you if you miss a lot of time, like a few weeks or something, there is a point where that habit starts to fall off, and then you have to do the work of rebuilding it. Um, and the same thing is, is with everything, certainly with languages. I just think that overall, like if, if, unless there's like a death in the family or something, there is no thing that can stop me from spending an hour a day learning something about languages or whatever, because that's what I, you know, it's what I want. How could I stop? I would have to make a conscious decision to actually stop. 
Well, that leads to another, I think, important point is it does take time. It does take consistency. But I, I also think that people overestimate how many hours a day it will take. You know, they're so used to the idea yeah. of sitting in a classroom for two or three hours. You know, and realistically, I, I don't usually study for more than 15 or 30 minutes at a time. And I just try to do that two or three times a day, every day. Right. That's much, much more powerful than, you know, doing four hours a week, but all at once. Yeah, yeah. If you if you over overburden your mind, it it starts to fight back against you. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do the same thing. I I wake up in the morning and I, whatever, I browse a vocabulary list or look at something or just read a blog entry or something for fifteen minutes, and then I head off to the gym, go to work. On the ride home from work, you know, I spend 15, 30 minutes, however long it is, depending on the traffic that day. Uh, look at some phrase lists or whatever I, you know, whatever I'm doing that particular day. And then, I, again, once once at night. So, yeah, probably about the same as you, three times a day for maybe 15 to 30 minutes. No, and I, I as you said, you know, listening on the, the way to the workout or on the way home, it's just making that a habit. You know, it's, okay, I'm, I'm going to do the dishes, pop in the iPod. I'm, you know in line at the store, okay, put in the iPod. I, every chance that you're not doing something that, you know, requires your 100% attention, that can become another learning opportunity. It doesn't have to be, you know, sitting down at a desk. And I would I'd even go so far as to say that, like, a lot of times when people like us use that analogy, you know, we say five minutes at the um, at the supermarket line or 15 minutes on the train, I, I think that listeners or readers – uh, sometimes get the impression that we're saying you should do that every time. And really, that's not the case. Like, all you need to do is just make use of one of those times mm. over the course of your day, and you're already doing something. You know, I don't I don't spend every five-minute line wait reading something about languages, and I don't spend every cab ride or every train ride trying to study vocabulary. I just do sometimes. Right. But it's enough times. Yeah. No, you know? That, that, that's a good point, and that goes back to the – the fear of doing it often prevents people from starting. It, it can sound really scary when you hear yeah. people talk about it or, you know, you read some of these language hacking tips and, you know, really all of this stuff, we're, we're all trying to help people. You know, that's why we're all here. All of us are yep. trying to help people to see that it's easy. And sometimes I think that there's so many tips that people get overwhelmed and they think it's going to be too hard. (laughs) But um, I think in its aggregate, though, it gets doing a a service. I mean, I I think so many people do things so far the wrong way and get so fed up and and they develop this whole foreign language phobia and this belief that, oh, I'm just not good at languages, so I can never learn. I mean, almost everybody I know is that way. Yeah, you know, it's that's sort of the the norm is I'm not good at languages, and so I think it takes right. a lot of us, a lot of voices, a lot of uh, echoes for it to hopefully eventually get to not everybody, but at least those that want to learn. Which I, I just hope that enough of our voices reach them that they can, you know, shake themselves out of this belief they can't do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think most of us probably all have similar stories, um, you know, about uh, struggling with the first one or, you know, like my own personal struggle. This is going to sound kind of funny coming from a guy who tells people that it's easy to learn languages. But I actually have such a hard time hearing that sometimes I don't even understand English. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm I'm constantly asking people to repeat themselves and you know not understanding things that are said and then you, you try to translate that into learning a foreign language and it becomes a real challenge so you know it's it's um it's one of those things where even though I'm telling you you know I'm telling anybody who will listen I can learn a new language every year and I'm totally not talking about the challenging part that Anybody else who does this is going to have an easier time of it than I am. <laughs> mm. uh, so, yeah. Very good. Um, so what is your current language project, and then what is the next one, do you think? Wow. Well, um, the current language pro- uh, project is Italian, although it's never just one thing. Uh, I'm, I'm planning a trip to Lithuania in a few months, so uh, I guess I allow myself the weekends to stray from Italian. Mm. So... <laughs> Uh, every weekend I'm learning a little bit of Lithuanian in anticipation of this trip, but uh, during the week I stay focused on Italian. But uh, I haven't selected my language for next year, and uh, even if I had, I wouldn't admit it to anyone. But um, I do know that I'm starting to narrow in on one of maybe three. I'm very, very interested in Turkish I'm living pretty close to Canada, and I think that if I didn't take advantage of French, uh, that would be foolish. And um, the third one, possibly Arabic. So I'm not really sure. I haven't chosen yet, but I think that right now I'm teetering between those three. I could come out as a surprise and just pick something totally unexpected, too. So. <laughs> All right. Well, just made a wrap-up. If there's only one thing you want listeners to hear about language learning, what would it be? When you show somebody you've spent even the smallest amount of time to learn about them, especially if you're an American, because we have a, a, a stigma to overcome in the world. Mm-hmm. But um, if you show people that you have spent even the smallest amount of time taking an interest in their language and their culture, it's so well received that, uh, you know, it makes such a big difference on the way that you're, you're perceived and the way that your whole dealings with that person go. I was just recently at a bar watching a hockey game, go Blackhawks. I hope they win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> and, uh, Uh-oh, now, uh, now you're speaking a foreign language to me. Yes. <laughs> I don't speak hockey, I'm sorry. That's all right. So um, a a patron who had no place to sit uh, was standing near my table, and uh, I started uh, talking to her, and I had picked up on her um, Russian accent. So um, just on a a whim, assuming that I'm right, because there are a lot of Polish people in this town too, I said something to her in Russian, and she immediately became my best friend for the rest of the night. Yep. Whereas everybody else, I saw half a dozen, maybe a dozen guys come and try to hit on her over the night, and she blew them all off. So yep. uh, it's it's so interesting the way that just those little language niceties can can change the way you're perceived. And there's motivation for you right there. I mean, if if you're struggling to stay motivated in a language, look no further than that. It just opens up so many doors that really cannot be opened any other way. Well, it's a pleasure to talk to you, Randy. Absolutely. You have a great day, John. Thanks so much, Randy. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. For show notes and a transcript of this episode, go to languagemastery.com. And if you've enjoyed the show, please take a minute to rate us in iTunes.